0: Chapter 7 of Bonne Marie. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Susanna Mason. Bonne Marie, a tale of Normandy and Paris by Henry Jerville. Translated by Mary Neil Sherwood. Chapter 7 Departure. Six weeks had elapsed since Beslin's death. Spring was changing into summer, and soon the fires of St. John would be lighted in all the villages. Under the wreaths of flowers suspended across the streets bonne marie had silently set her house in order for a long absence and one day almondville was surprised to learn that mademoiselle beslin was about to depart where is she going the gossips said one to another this question was not an easy one to answer for since the great misfortune which had crushed her to the earth bonne marie had not exchanged ten words with the living soul except the cure who had visited her several times Jean-Baptiste walked to and fro past this house, looking at the windows over which hung those impenetrable white curtains. Never once had he ventured to knock at the door, so intense was the respect he felt for the orphan's sorrow, and perhaps also for the solitude of this defenseless and solitary young creature. One Wednesday evening, however, the door was opened to let in the light of the setting sun, and the young fisherman ventured to approach it. Marie was unquestionably expecting him. "'for she showed no surprise when she saw him. "'She was standing in the centre of the lower room, "'packing a small trunk that stood on the oak table. "'Good evening, bonne Marie,' said Jean-Baptiste, "'not crossing the threshold, but standing just outside the door. "'Is it true that you are going away?' "'Good evening,' answered the girl in her sweet musical voice. "'Then after a moment's silence, she said slowly, "'Yes, I am going away.' "'And where, if I may ask?' She hesitated. To Cherbourg, she answered, turning her face away, but a rosy flush that spread over her cheek and throat told that it was not easy for her to tell a falsehood. The young man entered the house and stood on the other side of the table, looking at her. You are not going to Cherbourg, he said sadly, or at all events you are not going there only. You intend to go to Paris. Marie assented with a silent nod and went on folding her linen and stuffing it in the trunk why are you going to paris continued the fisherman in a gentle voice you might be very happy here i would work for you and you would be a little queen you need not trouble yourself about anything but your embroidery and your flowers i cannot stay here interrupted the young girl you know i do not like the country and now after this last horror it is simply killing me each of those rocks the roar of that sea Tells me the frightful tale over and over again, and I really cannot bear it. She was silent, and her fluttering hands were still for a moment, while two large tears splashed upon the black shawl she was folding. So be it, sighed Jean-Baptiste. But you will come back. Bonne-Marie looked vaguely out over the open door, through which came the gay sunshine thousands of luminous particles floated in the air and were swallowed up in the heavy folds of her black dress the Sun told the tale of hope and of life and a sigh swelled her youthful and ambitious breast perhaps she answered slowly and with a faint smile upon her parted lips Jean-Baptiste stood for a few moments in bitter silence he was angry and he was wounded he knew that he had no real right to be either he hesitated and then going nearer to the girl he looked her full in the face. Listen, he said, "You will come back not in a carriage, proud and happy, and with the gorgeous raiment of which you dream. No, you will return poor, sad, worn and weary, and possibly ill besides. You will find me here waiting and watching for you, Bonne Marie. You will perhaps be less proud and less confident than you are today, and I, Bonne Marie." "'will be, then, just what I am now.' She looked at him with an air of defiance. His words had wounded her keenly. He saw this. "'Yes,' he resumed, in the same cold tone, but with a gentle expression in his face. "'You are vexed with me, and yet I have said only what I believe. You will return here, because you will not know where else to go, when Paris becomes to you as irksome as Amonville is today, because—' He stopped, bit his lips, and determined to say no more. But in a moment he spoke again, with that resigned sweetness which lay at the foundation of his character. "'I know not what other changes there may be, bonne Marie, but I, I shall never change.' Intense silence reigned in that low room, while the two stood apparently expecting some mute sign from the finger of destiny. "'When are you going?' the young man asked at last. Tomorrow morning, replied Bonne Marie, shutting the lid of her trunk. All her firmness returned to her with this simple act, the prelude of her new life, and she turned toward Jean Baptiste. Be happy, she said to him. Farewell. Farewell, he repeated. Will you allow me to kiss you? They were alone, and yet Jean Baptiste was so serious and his face was so sad that the girl never dreamed of refusing. Their cheeks touched three times, according to the custom of the province, where, correctly speaking, they do not kiss. And the young man went out without once looking behind him. End of chapter 7 Recording by Susanna Mason